Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome, one and all, to the Storybox podcast, the place to be if you are a lover of stories. My name is Jay Phantom, former real estate agent now, living my purpose, sharing amazing stories from people all over the world. I'm grateful that you're here today. Now let's journey into the story box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. My friends, welcome back to Storybox Podcast. I hope you're all doing well. If you are a new listener to the Storybox today, have I got a treat for you? My next guest has a pretty big philosophy, which is learn it, live it, give it. Learn what it takes to be successful. Live it fully in your own life, then give it to others to help them do the same. This was said by none other than Tony Robbins' son, Jarek Robbins. Now, if you don't know who this incredible man is, he's a best-selling author, a decorated performance coach and speaker, founder of Performance Coach University. He has delivered training and speeches to millions of people worldwide, speaking to businesses and organizations, including Harvard University, Leadership Conference, United States Air Force, Century 21, Tampa Bay Rays, which is a major league baseball team, BMW, United States Marine Corps, in United States Olympic team, among many, many others. He has a real passion and a drive uh, for helping people in, in life, relationships. He's focused. He's got a lot of energy that you've never really seen before. And on this episode, my friends, we get talking about one very, very important topic And that is finding your own worth, self-worth, what that actually really looks like, what it means. And we dive really deep into this topic. You are enough. The belief behind being enough is so, so important. And we, we get vulnerable on this episode. And I know you guys are going to get a lot out of it because trust me, I had goosebumps running all the way down my body during the entire interview. It was that good and that awe-inspiring. Jarek is is really, really passionate about this stuff and he helps, he, he portrays it in such a way that it enables every single person to really just get it and um, it, it's very helpful. So if you do get something from this episode, guys, please spend 30 seconds of your valuable time paying this episode forward because I know it is going to inspire and challenge a lot of people out there in the world today. Helping people find their own sense of worth and self is such an important, important topic. 
of conversation today. And this episode really helps do that. So please pay it forward by sending it to a friend and family member that you really care about that might be struggling with this. Also, if you do love this episode, please let us know by leaving a five-star rating and review over on Apple Podcasts. It goes a huge way to building this incredible audience. And really, my my mission, you guys know, uh, is to inspire and help people realize that they are worth something. So this episode is really special to me. With that being said, my friends, let's dive into the story box and hear the incredible wisdom and story of Tony Robbins' son, Jarek Robbins. Well, hey, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Thank you so much for making the time for me. I, I really do appreciate it. I'm super looking forward to this conversation. And before we dive into, I guess, your backstory and how you got doing what you're doing, I have one question that I, I normally love asking people. And I sort of mentioned it there in the intro, but you teach people how to live a successful life. And I'm curious, what does success look like for you in your life? Sure. So what's fascinating is the concept of success has been kind of twisted, mostly by the personal development space that has said everyone has their own definition of success. Now, if we were, and let me grab my mouse real quick and let me do this. So if I were to Google success real quick, Success is the accomplishment of an aim or purpose, the attainment of a popularity or profit, (laughs) a person or thing that achieves desired aims or attains prosperity. So success itself isn't necessarily redefined. Mm. That holds true. Success is the achievement of something you're after. I think the question that goes underneath it is, what are you after? Mm. And so for me, if you were to ask what I'm after, that's an interesting topic. It, it, it's something along the lines of what I love to do if I were to change it out of what I'm after, what I desire, what I'm passionate about, what I dream about. Um, a, a question that guides much of my behavior is, is this something I can use to help somebody? Mm. And so I love, passionate about traveling, passionate about learning, passionate mm. about you know, loving and, and, and deeply connecting with my wife and, and our little human, our little son. Um, and, and those things are really important to me. Those are our values, love, adventure, growth, knowledge, learning. Um, you know, those are really things that are highest of our values list. And so we take our values and then we apply them to our life and say, okay, if I choose to do this all day, is this truly representing the, the deepest parts of who we are? Is this representing our values? Is this is representing what we, what we really care for in our life. And so for me to go back to success, it's living a life that's connected deeply to what matters most to me and us as a family. And so that's something that we practice regularly. That's something we apply to everything we do. And then we bring those values to life and all that we do as well. Mm. I love that, man. Like, it's a great, great definition. I like how you looked up the, the dictionary definition as well. That's the first time anyone's ever done that on, on a podcast episode. But I like, I like how you said that the self-development space sort of says that you have your own version of success. And they've, they've sort of portrayed that a lot. And I'm curious about where did you find what you wanted in life? Was it like this gradual thing over time that you realized, oh, this is my purpose or this is what I actually want? 
That's what I'm passionate sure. about. Or was there like a catalyst moment for you somewhere in your life? Sure. So if you listen to the whispers of destiny, they're always sending you messages. Most people just don't listen very well. And so most of us like to talk and like to fill our space with noise. Um, if you imagine music, what makes music beautiful is the space in between the notes. And so if you take all the notes and you put no space in between them and play them all together, it's just noise. But the moment you create the little space in between the notes, you now have music, depending on how you put it together. And so in life, I think it's the same thing. So many people are deathly afraid of the space that they fill it with busyness. They fill it with thoughts. They fill it with music. They fill it with friends. They fill it with conversations. They fill it with being busy. And they're very uncomfortable in silence mm. and present moment. And so the ability to find the present moment and then listen, to listen and just hear, you know, what is it? We call these things a walkabout, a vision quest. Um, you know, it, it's a transformation from girl to woman, a transformation from boy to man. These things existed and they've been written about and talked about and taught forever very, very, very long time in human history. The challenge is nowadays, how does a boy become a man? Mm. You know, 18, 19 years old, what do we do? Get them drunk and take them to a titty bar. Yep. Like that, that's kind of a shit replacement mm. compared to a 12 month vision quest where you spend time deeply feeling, thinking and listening to the whispers of destiny to guide you to where you should or shall be in life. Mm. You know, now I don't know how women, young girls become women. A lady would have to give us the insight on that. <laughs> um, yeah. I think there's biological things that transform and they go, Hey, you're a woman now. Yep. But I don't know if that's really the transition. I know men very well. And with men, we lack deep transition rituals. They've been kind of weeded out of society and replaced with artificial lighthearted silliness, which is a lot of fun. Mm. But there's a lot of man, men I've met who lack deep meaning in their life right now. Mm. They don't know what it is to be a man. They don't know what it, you know, to be a man. If you ask someone, what does it mean to be a man? You hear all these people start spouting off such superficial things. Mm -hmm. Be strong, to be tough, to be emotionally uh, sensitive, to be aware, to be able to share your feelings is really what a man is. And it's all these people just like success who've redefined what they think it is instead of collectively got together and say, Hey, what are the values that someone really should uphold as a man in this society? Mm. Now I'll say that that's really important because the values that you uphold in this society might be different than that society mm. because villages operate very differently. And depending on what village you come from, you might need a different set of values or organizing principles to be your best in that village. Mm. Uh, I have a friend of mine, he wrote a book uh, talking about how men wear masks and, yeah. and men need to take off their masks and become emotionally open. And this young man grew up in Ohio. Yeah. He was a, an athlete. He's very strong and powerful. Um, he had a point where he was so emotionally enraged. He got in a fight with this guy and almost killed the guy in a bar fight. And for a young man growing up in the Midwest, the United States with those values in that village. Yeah. He needs to learn how to be emotionally in touch and open and expressive. Mm. Now in Southern California, 
there's young men who were taught from the very beginning to openly discuss their feelings, to constantly be expressing how they feel, which is beautiful. Mm. But this drives some women insane in all the wrong ways. Mm. Because you're like, honey, what do you feel like tonight for dinner? And he goes, well, <sighs> how I feel right now is interesting. And three and a half hours later, he's still fucking talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay, that guy needs to get shipped to Ohio and he doesn't <laughs> need to fight. He doesn't need to get punched, but he needs to learn different elements of a man. The guy from Ohio needs to go to Southern California, which ironically, that's where he moved and need to learn how to express himself a little more emotionally. The key here is it's well-rounded. It's can you tap into all parts of who you are? There was um, a, a book written, I think it was called The Lover, The Warrior, The Magician, and the, the, I forget what the fourth one is. But it's the concept of all of us have a deep lover inside of us. All of us have a warrior. All of us have a magician. All of us have a king mm. as men. And so the ability, women, all of them have a deep, you know, deep longing motherhood. All of them have a queen. All of them have, some men have queens. It just depends on your preference. But the concept of all of us have these archetypes of personality within us, the real question becomes, how do you develop all of yours fully mm. instead of just being one? So the, the concept, though, is all of us have those archetypes, and it's figuring out which ones are strong. And which ones need a little bit more, more strengthening? Which ones need a little bit more development? Mm. And so for, for you know, our friend Lewis, his lover needed a little bit more development. His magician needed a little bit more development. His warrior was as strong as it could possibly be. And when you mix a little bit more of the lover and magician in with the warrior, you get a much more present, well-rounded man, not just an aggressive man who wants to fight everything that doesn't look at him the right way. And so that's a developmental process. That that's a that's a taking toll, taking count of who am I, where are my strengths, and where are my areas of growth, and putting a plan together to actually grow. Um, you know those parts of yourself that need to develop. Mm. I've I've read Lewis Howe's book, uh, The Mask of Masculinity, and I encourage everyone that is listening to this right now to go and get yourself a copy of that book. I read it in a week. And it took me actually a while to pick up the book and actually read it because I, I guess it was a bit out of fear um, sure. to actually read something that I knew that was going to challenge me. Uh, but when I did, I picked it up, opened the first chapter and my goodness, man, stoic mask, all these masks that he, he explains quite vividly and he gives personal reflection into each mask and how he struggled with each and every mask himself. And I found that when I was reading the book, I was actually doing a very similar thing. I was actually reevaluating my life and all the times that I actually wore these masks to cover uh, all the problems and all the issues and I didn't actually face up to them. And I think it's such a powerful thing as men that we do put on these masks to cover up things that we are afraid to actually deal with. It's more like we are running away from the problem rather than facing it. And that's, that's more, to me, that's more of a boy mentality rather than a man. And, you know, we're taught, we're conditioned to believe that a man, you know, is tough, doesn't show, I don't know about you, Derek, but what, how I was brought up, I saw, 
You know, you're not allowed to show emotion. You're not allowed to show vulnerability. That's weakness. You can't have that in any capacity. Mommy, you cry, you're going to be teased, ridiculed, you name it. So I had this, I always bottled things up inside me. I kept it inside. But the moment I released it, it's the most purest thing ever. And going back to what you were saying earlier about the whisper, it reminded me of my, one of my all-time favorite film director's speeches, Steven Spielberg, and how he says the dream always seems to come from behind you rather than in front of you. And it almost whispers in, in, in your ear saying, hey, you're going to do this. Hey, you're going to do that. And this is like the epitome of, of my life. And I guess what I want to share with you as well, Jarek, is, is um, my version of success is not like anybody else's. You know, I love asking that question because it's sort of like there's so many layers to it. and everyone has like not to everyone has their own sort of version of it quote because we've been taught that you you must but for me my version and this is what i've realized i've actually broke it down a lot and i wanted i wanted to hear what you think of this my version is you got to be persistent to remain consistent at the things that you want in life and what i mean by that is if you are persistent at every aspect of your life, then you will become consistent at it. There's a good and there's a bad. If you become persistent at the bad things, then you'll constantly reap bad. But if you're constantly, if you're persistent at being at the good things, you will reap good. You will reap, be able to grow. And same thing with practice. If you're not being persistent with practicing like, self-development, self-improvement, growth, all that stuff, you won't do it. I wanted to see what you thought of that. Yeah, it sounds great. It, it's something that if, if you think of most all things have a space somewhere in life and it's finding and calibrating who needs that message most. Mm. And it's going to speak loudly to the people who really need it. And so going back to the question, I didn't grow up with men teaching me that masculinity was about aggression and non-emotion and stuff like that. Mm. I, I grew up with men around me teaching me how to express my emotions. And there, there was a research study done where they looked at little kids who got caught and put in juvenile hall for fighting or aggression. And that they, they found out was the kids who landed up in juvenile hall most often for fighting and aggression had a very limited vocabulary of emotions they could express via words. Meaning when they ran out of words of how to express how they felt, they turned to physical expression, which became violence. Mm. And so I grew up with people constantly teaching me more words to express how I felt. So I would sit down with friends and certain friends would be either angry or happy or sad or excited. And those are the only four things they knew emotionally. And I was like, wow, luckily I got taught at a young age. There's elated and joyful and passionate and curious and excited and creative. And, and, and there, there's hundreds of emotions you can feel. And so I was taught, wow, there's so many different emotions you can feel. You can actually choose. And then it's not just the same old five. It's not just the same old thing again and again. It's like there's this massive variety grab bag and you can choose a different emotion every moment of every day if you want. Just constantly be shifting. 
Mm. I was like, that's interesting. I remember listening to a program by a guy named Evan Pagan. It was called On Being a Man. And he talks about the lack of transition rituals from boy to man. He started describing the difference between a boy and a man. I thought it was fascinating. He said a boy is someone who might tease, and he's very heterosexual, man-woman relationship type stuff. I realize other people operate in different paradigms, but for this, we'll just use that as as the way he describes it. And so the concept of a boy would tease a girl, play with a girl, pull her hair, joke with her. A man, like, they don't do that. They provide, they take care of, they love, they're grounded, they're caring. And what's most important to that man is her needs, wants, and desires and how he can help fulfill those. And what's most important to a boy is his needs, wants, and desires and how he gets his needs, wants, and desires met. And I was like, ooh, it's like that concept from me to we. It's a transition of thought. Instead of trying to fill up your own buckets, you do the work to fill yourself up so that you're full so you can forget about yourself and focus on others. And so a lot of people, they're so busy trying to figure out their own buckets. And I I use these three buckets. I am enough, I have enough, and I'm loved enough. Mm. And it's like, for most people, what does it take to actually be able to say, I am enough, just being who I am is enough. I don't need to do anything. I don't need to accomplish anything. I don't need to just show up, just be. Mm. As long as I'm here, I'm enough. Just being, not doing anything. I'm not a human doing. I'm a human being. I'm being, I'm enough. Second, I have enough. Can you look around you and go, yeah, I have enough. As long as I have a heart beating in my chest and breath in my lungs, I have more than enough. And I'm loved enough. This is a hard one for most people. Can you go look yourself deep in the eyes and identify five things every morning that you really acknowledge and appreciate about yourself? Mm. People say, don't be vain. It has nothing to do with vanity. You're looking into your eyes. The eyes are the window to the soul. Look deeply into your own soul and identify what do you appreciate and acknowledge about yourself each day? Your soul, who you really are, not the shell, the soul. Look beyond the shell and say, what do I really acknowledge and appreciate about who this being is being today? How they choose to show up. When those little buckets fill and fill and fill, at some point they're full and they start to overflow. When you feel like, I am enough, I have enough, I'm loved enough, how you then interact with humans around you transforms because now you're trying to help them fill their buckets instead of constantly show them why they need to help you fill yours. Mm. A lot of times people's behavior is nothing more than a cry for help to try to get their own buckets filled. Mm. So they're showing you like, look at this new car I got because they finally want to feel like they're enough or they have enough. Oh, look at my cool, look at this trip I went on. Because they're trying to prove that they have enough or they are enough or hopefully someone will love them and think they're special. Or look at my new abs. (laughs) (laughs) Like it's the same story over and over and over again. It's someone trying to see, hey, I'm enough. Hey, I'm lovable. I'm loved enough, right? Can you guys love me a little more? Hey, I have enough. See, I have enough over here. Look, I have enough. And as soon as those buckets become full, again, it goes from me to we. You start seeing someone instead of focusing on themselves, just focused on others. Mm-hmm. I was like, ooh, that's interesting. Now they're more concerned with, do you feel that you have enough? Do you feel that you are enough? Do you feel that you're loved enough? And so part of what my brain filters and hears, I love what you put together. I think it's very cool. And I think part of it 
is a little bit of that internal expression of like, hey, I worked hard on this. And it's one of those three buckets. Mm. Is it enough? And so only you can say if it's enough and how you define depends on your criteria. The criteria of what does it mean for that to be enough? This is a deep thought that you've worked hard on. You've put deep thought and deep work into it, which is awesome. And so you have to also put the qualifier. What does it mean for that to be enough? Asking other people if they think it enough won't be, it's not the thing that's going to check the box. You deciding it's enough by what criteria you put around it. The criteria I put around things I create is really simple. Can it help somebody? And as soon as that box is checked, yeah, it could help somebody. Perfect. It's more than enough. It's a great idea. I'm going to keep it and use it when I need it. Mm. Mm. So that's my criteria. Can it help somebody? Uh I read books and books and books. I take courses. I, I, I mean, we just finished a parenting course. I have, I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six binders of courses over here to my right, just sitting there from the last couple years. I love courses. And what I'm constantly hunting for is, can I use this to help somebody? I took a business course six years ago, and I used something the other day to help a couple of clients who are going through this COVID crisis with their business. And one of them told me, hey, if you didn't share that with me, my business would probably be gone right now. Mm. I was like, oh, I'm really glad I took that course. I learned a couple of things that helped save someone's business so many years later. Mm. I was like, ah, you know, I wrote a book and we, we sent that out to the world. And I got a letter back from someone who was in the military that said, hey, you know, I came back. I had horrible PTSD. I had my firearm in my mouth every night for the last week. Someone gave me a copy of your book. I read the first few chapters and I wanted to say thank you for reminding me of my reason of why I want to keep living. Wow. And I went, ooh, success. We helped somebody at the moment they needed it with the message they needed. Is that why I wrote the book? Was I like, ooh, airman, late night, just got back, PTSD. I'm going to write this book for her. No, I didn't know who it was going to reach, but I deeply intended that it was going to reach someone at the moment they needed it most with the message they needed. Mm -hmm. And it landed. That plane landed right in her lap, right at the right time in her life, and it inspired her to decide to keep on living. That's powerful stuff, man. Yeah. So those are my criteria. Can it help somebody? If it can help somebody, I'm curious. I've always wondered, can you imagine a world where everyone was, had that mindset of helping each other? Like, mm-hmm. can you imagine what the world would actually look like? Yeah. And if we even... The got- fun part is people behave like that when they feel full. Yeah. But even if you watch people, you're empty is, yeah. is the key, I reckon. It's very difficult. Yeah. Because when we don't feel like we're enough and we're put into a room with other people who seemingly come across as if they are more, bigger, better. In Australia, they call it the tall poppy syndrome. Exactly. The very natural reaction. And all that means is someone doesn't feel like they're enough. So there's two ways to feel like enough. Either A, do the work and become enough in your own mind, or B, just hack someone else down. People try to fix the symptom, not the cause. Mm. The symptom is, oh, we should get everyone to change their mindset. The cause is, why do we live in a place where people are constantly feeling like they're not enough? Mm. That's the difference. 
People look at the symptom. Oh, people need to change their mindset. It's like, maybe that can help. Mm. But what's the root cause? The root cause is that human doesn't feel like they're enough and they're comparing themselves to others. And it's like, well, how in the world could that happen? I remember I was traveling through Central America and South America, and I kept looking at the billboards and looking at the features of the human beings put on the billboards. And I asked our tour guide, I said, well, I think we were in Nicaragua and I pointed at a billboard and I said, is that Nicaraguan? Is that lady Nicaraguan on the board? She's like, no. I'm like, really? Where is the lady on the billboard from? She said, maybe El Salvador, maybe Mexico. I don't know. She's not Nicaraguan, no. And I said, that's interesting. And then we were in Ecuador and I was the person on the, on, the, on the billboard. I said, is that person Ecuadorian? Are they from Ecuador? They're like, no. Like, where are they from? She's like, I don't know, maybe Brazil. She doesn't look Ecuadorian. She's probably Brazilian. And then I looked around in America. And I noticed all the models are from Europe and Central and South America. Mm. And I don't know about Australia. But I would guess a lot of the models are from other parts of the world. Yep. And I said, why would a beauty company use a model to promote a product in a location that doesn't look like any of the people in that location. Mm. Psychologically, they're training people. If you use our product, you can aspire to this level of beauty. And this level of beauty is physiologically unattainable by the way we've crafted it. A North American woman from Nebraska is not going to look like a Brazilian model. They have different facial structures, different bone makeups, different skin tones. But makeup companies do this on purpose so that the person in Nebraska never stops buying the makeup. Mm -hmm. It was designed to make them feel like they'll never be enough unless they keep buying the crap. So true. Purposely designed. If you look for the root cause, there's been some mechanisms built, some machines built that are made for consumerism and purchasing and inspiring people to not feel good enough. Mm -hmm. I was like, wow, if we take those away, what happens? I remember in Fiji, Fiji's close by down there, Fijian women were traditionally very large, powerful, like Samoan-sized women. It was very natural. Women were much larger. Men were super skinny. The men worked in the sugarcane fields and, and, you know, and, and worked in the fields kind of stuff. The women would carry everything, so they were physiologically bigger. Um, when magazines and television shows made it to Fiji, the next generation of women all of a sudden became tall and skinny. Mm. And I was like, what the shit happened? Like these beautiful, brown, powerful women turned into these skinny little women. And it was like, did the food change? What changed on the island that caused that to occur? The education. And well, it was media. Mm. They, they, changed, they had television and magazines show up that started showing them what beauty was and what beauty wasn't. And because now this is beautiful and that is not beautiful, they aspired to be beautiful like the magazine said. And so they transformed their dietary habit, their workouts, the way they eat and sleep and breathe and behave. And those are businesses that make billions of dollars off of teaching people that they're not good enough. Yeah. Subconsciously. 
Mm. Notice you don't see many ads from makeup companies that say, wake up, don't put any shit on your face. You look great, girl, go get them. <laughs> Never. Wow. And they're targeting men just as much. I saw a TV show one time where a man went and got calf implants because he felt his calf muscles were too small. What? I was like, what kind of crazy chaos causes a dude to feel so inadequate that he pays to have silicone sacks mended into the back of his leg so he can finally feel good enough walking around other men? And ladies, that one's just the same. You just put them in different places. Mm. And I was like, huh, what causes someone to feel that way about themselves? What's the cause? Not the effect. I know the effect. Tall poppy syndrome. They call it different things in different places. It's people attacking and cutting others down because they don't feel good enough. Their bucket is not filled. Therefore, they try to hack other people to see if that might make them feel a little less worse. Doesn't make them feel better, just makes them feel less worse. And so the concept becomes instead of focusing on living a life that's less worse than the one you have, why not do the work to actually fill the buckets where you feel like you are enough just by your own behavior, just by being? You feel like you're loved enough just because you remind yourself of how amazing you really are every day, the things you appreciate and acknowledge about who you are from the inside out, your soul, not your shell who you really are on the inside. And then you remind yourself that you have enough. You know, when I was a little kid, I used to watch music videos when I'd get ready for school. I remember my favorite one was Biggie Smalls and Puff Daddy. It was a video called Hypnotize. Yeah. It was a rad video. <laughs> I mean, they had yachts and cars and helicopters and girls and, and, and trucks and motorcycles and Hummers and Mercedes and canes and hats and glasses and suits. And I mean, it was cool. And I remember as a kid thinking someday if I work hard, I'll have enough like them. That'll be enough right there. And then I remember growing up, I always wanted to buy stuff. Like I needed a new pair of shoes. I needed a new outfit for school. I needed a new backpack. I needed, I needed, I needed something to be enough. I wanted to be cool. I wanted to have enough. Fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. I remember I went and moved to a village in Uganda and enough there was radically different. Like having food to eat was enough because there wasn't always food available. I was like, oh shit, that's a totally different version of enough. Like, will there be food tonight? I hope so. I think we found some beans. Let's try them. Like that's the version of enough. Mm. They're like, wow, enough is different. Water, I had to walk a quarter mile down the road to go fill two jerry cans out of a, pump, a, a well pump to then drag the cans back home and boil water for 20 minutes to have drinking water. And I was like, whoa, if I could walk up in the city I live in to a, a, a fountain in the city and turn a nozzle and drinking water comes out, wow, what kind of miracle is that? But most of us don't think of that as enough. We're like, oh yeah, oh, gross, city water. And it's like, dude, there's places in the world where there is no fountain and there is no city water. There's just no water, like good luck. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, I didn't know that. Redefines what enough is. I remember about a couple of years ago, I, I, there was this young woman and I crossed paths with her Instagram. And when I saw it, I was like, wow. And it caught my attention. Let me see if I can find it real quick and I'll show it to you on the little camera here. But I remember crossing paths with her Instagram and it just caught, it caught my attention 
because of the smile I saw on this young woman's face, like she was glowing. And it was one of those smiles that you see that you just can't get out of your head. Mm. And I was like, this woman is really like, there's something special about her. Um, it wasn't my wife. It wasn't, you know, that kind of relationship or what I was looking at with this woman. There was just a natural glow about her. Mm. And the picture I saw that caught my attention was her directly after her second double lung transplant and um you know after she had her second double lung transplant she had oh she had fluid building up in her heart so that she had open heart surgery to put a tube in the middle of her chest to drain the the fluid after and i saw this young girl and i saw this giant damn smile on her face and two thumbs up and stitches going straight down the middle of her chest. And she looked like the happiest little human I'd ever seen. And a tube coming out of the middle of her chest, draining fluid out of her heart. Can you see that? Yeah. And I remember sitting there and seeing how fucking happy she was. And just realizing there was a moment in her life, at least twice, that she could not breathe on her own free will. Meaning if she gave all her effort and tried to go, it just wouldn't work. No oxygen would go in. She was hooked up to a machine that allowed her to breathe. And if someone accidentally turned the machine off, she would just suffocate because she couldn't breathe on her own. And more than one time, twice in her life, she had a point where she had to go in, they had to slice her open, open her up, pull out the old lungs, put in the new lungs, sew her up, and then see what would happen. Twice she had to do this. And what was amazing is she said, or actually her husband said, I interviewed him on one of our podcasts. Her husband said, the biggest smile I've ever seen on my wife's face. He said, I wish it was our wedding day but I'd be lying if I said that. The biggest smile I'd ever seen on her entire face was the day after her second double lung transplant. She woke up, they have a giant tube down her throat to help her breathe because she can't breathe on her own right after surgery. So she can't speak. So she has a little board she writes on. And the next morning when she was waking up, she grabbed the little board and they're saying, what's your name? She wrote her name. How old are you? Wrote her age. What date is it? Wrote a date. And then she she just all of a sudden had this biggest smile on her face and her husband looked at her and said, what is it? What is it? She scribbled on the board and as she turned it around, it said, I can breathe. Oh, wow. And she said it was the greatest feeling she's ever had in her entire life to be able to breathe on her own free will and fill her lungs up on her own free will and effort. Now, and how cool is that? The ability to have enough most of us don't realize that if you have a heart beating in your chest, even a pacemaker that does it automatically, and the ability to fill your own lungs with air, you have more than enough to live a magnificent life. She's a walking testament to that because she does live a magnificent life and she does fight to breathe every day. Her handle on Instagram is fight to breathe. She fights to breathe every day. And so many people take that shit for granted. And they act like they don't have enough because they don't have a car they want or an outfit they've been dreaming of or can't take the trips around the world like the other kids on Instagram do. And they don't realize if you got a breath in your lungs and you can breathe on your own free will, you have way more than enough in life.
people are praying and fighting for that opportunity that most people are radically taking for granted. I think it's also putting it into perspective. And actually, there's um, one of my favorite sayings is actually from a movie, Cool Runnings. I don't know if you've seen it. Yeah. And the coach basically looks at um, Julia and he's like, if you're not enough without it, you'll never be enough with it. It's true. And I was just like, such a powerful statement that yeah. many of us, we, we, we're too afraid to do the work. Yeah. And going back to the very beginning with what I said, you got to be persistent at it. You got to be persistent every single day of getting, getting up and telling yourself that you are enough. Because if you're not, you never will feel like you are. It's that repetitive mindset. Part of that, what goes on, I know bullying was a big thing in Australia. Mm. And so the concept, when you look at bullying, bullying is someone feeling like they're not enough and feeling the only way they can become enough is by physically tearing someone else down Mm -hmm. or mentally tearing someone else down. And, And people are trying to solve bullying, which is the symptom. Bullying is not the cause. It's a symptom. You got to ask, what's the cause? What would cause a kid to feel so worthless that the only way they can feel worthy of attention, of love, of of anything that they're going after is to physically tear someone else down? And it's like, wow, we need to work on the cultural element that trains people they're enough. Now there's a flip side to that. In the United States, kids were taught, honey, you are special magical unicorns with fairy dust ever since they were born. And now they think they're fucking special for some reason. (laughs) So the pendulum can swing too far the wrong way. And now, you know, it's a whole generation of kids who think they're special and they shouldn't have to work and they should all deserve to have the millionaire billionaire lifestyle that they see somewhere on TV without putting any effort in whatsoever. (laughs) And it's like, okay, they got too much unicorn dust. They need to chill <laughs> off on that shit and make them work a little harder. You want it, work for it. But on the flip side, if you don't give your kid any of that, then they're going to crave for it. And when they crave for it, they're going to go attack someone else if they think that other one has it. And that just goes back to village and resources. Back in the day, if your village ran out of water, there was only two ways to get it. Either you have a partnership with a local village next door that can share water with you, or you have to go and attack the village and take their water. And so the other piece that can help mend a lot of the bullying is creating pure partnerships where kids actually team up with each other and help fill each other's buckets. There was a group in Southern Florida. Um, it was, I think it was called Dine Together or Lunch Together. It was this young boy who was super popular on the, on the you know, American Gridiron football team and he noticed there was these kids eating by themselves at lunch. So he got a little posse together and said, hey, anytime we see someone sitting by themselves, our group has been, you know, we're going to self-nominate to say, we're going to go sit with them and just befriend them. And so literally at lunch, they walk out into the hall, they look around, they see someone by themselves. There they go. They go get them. They're like, hey. Can we sit with you? And they're like, nah, it's okay. It's okay. It might be that annoying friend at first, but they literally make friends with people. They don't let you sit by yourself. They don't let you just be off in the corner. 
And like, if you need space, that's fine, but, but they'll get you the next day. Mm. And I'm like, wow, that's a peer to peer partnership of helping fill each other's buckets, not just saying, yeah, sucks to be you. Good luck. And waiting for that kid to turn into a volcano and explode. And I was like, youth is really good at this stuff. If you show them any sense of how to do it. And that peer to peer partnership starts to fill the cause and adjust the cause, not the symptom. The symptom is they're sitting by themselves. The cause is they don't feel connected to anybody. And so this young man in Southern Florida started working on the cause. He was like, oh, they don't feel connected. Well, that's weird because I feel connected to them. And he went after the cause. And all of a sudden, when he adjusted the cause, they started to feel like they were a part of something. And then he would empower them and say, hey, you know, we came and sat with you. Would you be willing to go sit with others to help them not feel alone? They're like, yeah. And all of a sudden, these kids were now inspired leaders who would now go hunt other people alone and be like, yo, I used to sit alone. What's up? And all of a sudden, be friends with them. And so like that vision of the, what the world looks like when people are full is they start overflowing in the others. Mm. And it's very beautiful. Mm. And it only takes one person to start that, that chain reaction. That's right. There was one kid who felt full, who looked around and said, I'm going to help someone else feel full today. Mm. And for those people that are listening, you could be that one person. You know, please Mike, be that person. Please, 100%. Because I know for me and... I realized last year that my, my mission is really to help people realize their own worth and how I go about doing that is stories. Like stories are so powerful. They can, they can change lives by getting into the core, the emotion, everything, but they're so real. They're so valuable for the young people that are actually struggling because you can't just, directly tell them these days you gotta you gotta use emotion behind it it's real emotion it's not that's right it's not pixie dust or 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 fairy dust you know i like how you you um sometimes it's unicorn sprinkles unicorn sprinkles (laughs) (laughs) i'm never gonna forget that now (laughs) it's a very special type of pixie dust tell me about it it sounds like it too (laughs) but I love I love how we went here, uh, Jarek, because that's really what the story box is about: is changing lives for a positive change, is impacting the next generation, this generation, future generations. That when they listen to this in the week ahead, that they'll actually feel like they are inspired, motivated, challenged, or educated in some way to know that there are enough, like even, even that just saying you are enough over and over and over again, you know, that, that old saying, what you tell yourself, you will eventually become Yeah. like what you put in, you're going to get out. So put in your brain right now that you are enough. Yeah. I, I have to do it. There's an element, there's a layer that goes with it, which is to define and, and this is where most people don't, it's a little bit of work, which is just to ask the question, for me, what does it mean to be enough? Mm. And write it down. And this is where all of us do have our own definition. You know, where all of us go, oh, for me to feel like I'm enough, hmm, 
And they start writing and they go, I guess here's the current story. Now, the fun part is just because it's the current story doesn't mean it has to stay the permanent story. Mm-hmm. So you can adjust that story thread and say, hey, how can I adjust this story so that it really becomes easy, fun? You know, it's it, being enough is something that happens actively every day. Something that you access consistently and, and, and thoroughly, not something that happens every once in a while on a blue moon. Mm-hmm. And so it's rewriting the story so that you get to actively and consistently feel enough all throughout your day and week and month, mm-hmm. not just on a blue moon every now and then when the certain stars align. And so by helping people rewrite what it means to be enough, to have enough, and to feel loved enough, as they rewrite their story, it gives them the ability to access it consistently instead of every now and then. I love that, man. Um... I want to be respectful of your time. So I have two more questions for you, if you, if you don't mind. Yeah. This one is my legacy question. So I, f- I kind of feel like I know what you're going to say, but we'll see. I love sure. asking this at the end. So you've been able to reach the age of 100 and your friends have put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it. We'll call it magic. Yeah. They were able to do it and they've shown it to you on your 100th birthday. What do you want this film to say and to show about your life? Um, so the truth is, I think there'd be some really inspiring things in this film. I think there'd be some really silly things in this film. I think there'd be some really stupid things in this film. I think there'd be some painful moments some beautiful moments, some uh, moments uh, of resolution with self and transition and transformation from one you know stage of life into another. Um, I would want this film to be very human to be very real and very raw and very authentic and very true to just, this was who this man was. He wasn't perfect, but he tried hard to be a good man. Mm. Um, you know, I, 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 that's what I'd most want to see in that film. I think aspiring to be something great is wonderful. I do aspire to be a great man and realizing how beautiful and powerful and, and, you know, just amazing it is to just be human to make stupid mistakes and to do stupid stuff and to look back and go, wow, that was a really ugly night of the, you know, night of the week. Like that wasn't that great. That was a really silly decision. I probably shouldn't have done that. And to learn from it and evolve adds flavor and character. And, and um, you know, it, it adds texture to life. If everything was perfect and it was like, Oh, you know, I, I, I was born and I aspired to be great. And then I became great. And that was life. It's like, that's awesome. That's just not how it works for the majority of people. It works for some. There's some people who have that path. But for many of us, if I look back at that film, I wanted to just say, hey, this was a good man who strived to be great and all that he did. I love that, man. And what would you say has been the worst piece of advice you've ever been told or received? The worst piece of advice... Man, I don't know. My so one thing my brain is good at is filtering out bad advice. <laughs> so apparently, my brain took that to the dump yard and dropped it off and kept going without it. So, um, I think so. If I were to look at bad advice it usually falls under the paradigm 
that everything, everybody, all people, all this, all, all men, all women, anytime there's a blanket statement, there tends to be a, a lack of deep truth mm. um, that connects to it. And I, I say that just because when you watch these statements, they're trying to be helpful and they are used for filters to, to, to speed up your ability to, to understand something. But it takes away some of the magnificence of realizing how beautiful and unique every one moment is. And so anything it's kind of a balance because it allows you to speed up and learn something quicker, which gives you an advantage in life to propel your success and accomplishment and achievement. But it takes away the magic and bliss of the moment to discover it as if it's new and to experience it fresh for the first time again. And, you know, if you look at the intimate relationship, how many times do you want to fall in love with the person that you're with? Like as many times and as often as you can. But for most people, it's like, oh, no, I know them. we've been together for years. Same old shit. And that's why their relationship kind of sucks. Versus someone who looks at him and says, listen, I want to hear your thoughts every day forever. And I want to fall in love with you every time I hear them. It's like, oh, no wonder their relationship's so special. It's a different approach. It's a different filter. And so bad advice is also good advice sometimes. Um, and vice versa. I think the good advice of learning how to put filters in place to acquire knowledge quicker, learning how to understand people faster, quicker, faster. It, it, it's a concentration and a focus and a value of productivity, doing more quicker, faster, but it loses the specialness of even a breath. Mm. And so... I like finding the specialness and beauty and magnificence in a breath just as much as I like acquiring knowledge and accomplishing some big result. Uh, but I'd say it's somewhere in between those. I love it, man. Jarek, you just want to acknowledge you, man, and say thank you so much for your time. It's been a impacting and, and it's such a, a valuable conversation. Uh, thank you so much for your time your story, your energy, your positivity, your wisdom, everything. Where can people find you? Where can people connect with you and learn more about you? Dude, I am here now. Come in the present moment, you'll find me. Um, but for real, if you want to follow me on Instagram, that's cool too. Uh, so at Jared Robbins. And if you're looking for business tips or tools or, or anything on, on the performance coaching side, go to jaredrobbins.com. But just remember, I am here now in the present moment with you. So if you ever need me, close your eyes, take a deep breath, ask for guidance. It probably won't come from me, but hopefully you'll find what you need. Love it. Jarek, thank you so much, my man. Really appreciate you. I don't like this part because it means that sadly, we have come to an end of yet another incredible story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you'd like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on any podcast platform. It's that easy. 
If you did get something from our guest today, please share it around to a friend or family member that you think could benefit from hearing this powerful story. And before you go, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It will only take 30 seconds and it will go towards reaching more people. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one. Your support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you next time. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.